Hey everyone, Michael Anthony here. Van Halen, Chickenfoot, Sammy in the Circle. But anyway, you're listening to the only podcast that is dedicated to breaking down the entire Van Halen catalog one track at a time. And the podcast will rock. Ow! Hello, baby! Welcome, all you rockers and rockets and everything in between. You have joined us for a new edition of And the Podcast Will Rock. We are the show that dives into the catalog and discography of one of the greatest rock and roll bands of all time, Van Halen, one track at a time. You know how it rolls. I'm your co-host, Mark Kamire. Joining me as always, Corey Morissette. Corey, how's it going with you? You know what? Uh, it's been a trying week, but I've been looking forward to this night for a long time. We got two special guests um, who are most deserving of a special Mark Kamire intro. So, Mr. Kamire, take it away. Oh, well, uh, joining us for the show, we, we you know, we we really pride ourselves in having uh, special guests on the show because it, it lets us know that we're doing something right and that uh, we're doing uh, a job that that people are really into and they are appreciative that uh, we are spreading the good word of Van Halen, even though we're not using our expertise because we are not experts. We're simply fans. And most of our uh, fan base and our listeners are fans as well. And that goes as well for our guests today. Joining us, Stephen Roth, Darren Pouterwitz. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, but there you go. Darren from the DLR cast. What's up, you guys? How you doing? Hey, now. What's happening, guys? Thanks for having us. Oh, it's our pleasure. And uh, special thanks to Eric Sedich for kind of setting this up. He knew you guys and said, hey, yeah, got to get the DLR guys on your show. And I'm like, oh, that'd be amazing. We're, you know, we're a pretty small show compared to yours. You guys have been on, what, 71 episodes now? Sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you guys been doing this show now? Uh, two years in July, if memory serves correct. So just one yeah. of those things that started out where us kibitzing and conversating about DLR and it was like, you know, this can make a podcast. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we set out like, hey, there's going to be X number of episodes and we're going to get these guests on. It's totally a fly by the seat of our pants thing that is still going. And who knows uh, if there's 50 more episodes three more we don't know but thank you for listening well i tell you what I, I love listening to the last episode because you were talking about you know are we gonna have enough material nowadays to cover dlr stuff and then david just starts dropping uh tracks and uh, yeah. of course wolfgang has the big uh performance at the taylor hawkins tribute concert so you guys are going to have material for quite a long time here that's what we're hoping for a minute there we thought we were going to have very special episodes the paintings and really <laughs> dig into those but apparently not <laughs> so yeah. i gotta ask your opinion uh, I got to ask because uh, David dropped the, the the two Van Halen tracks um, and uh, Mark and I talked about it last week. I, I thought David sounded pretty good. Uh, Mark thought he sounded tired. Uh, we got to get your guys' perspective. What did you think of, of David on these uh, new tracks? I thought he sounded just fine. I've always maintained that he never sounds nearly as bad as I think everybody in every comment room likes to go to their default. He sounds terrible. He's always sound horrible. And for sure, there's been times that he just has not sounded really good. Uh, but in this case, 
I mean, it if for, it works. I should damn hope so. You know, you got plenty of time to repair. You're not on tour, so I it was it was all good on my end. I think it's it's fine, but the more people I talk to, the more people I I'm convinced there is some vocal trickery going on. There are some studio edits, and he's very quick to go. There's none of that. There's none of that. But I kind of think there is at this point. That's uh that was kind of my consensus uh after listening to it. I even gave it the benefit of the doubt where I thought, you know, because he sounds so tired to me and because he sounds so kind of I feel like there's a lot of things they could have tweaked in the studio if there were some uh, you know, production fuckery, but uh it but but it didn't seem like they overdid it. So maybe I was uh, giving it the benefit of the doubt of thinking maybe there's not, maybe there's not a lot of uh, uh, extra <laughs> things happening here, but in hindsight and then uh, hearing you guys kind of justify it. Yeah. There's probably quite a bit happening there, but what are you going to do? Um, so, uh, and, and I just want to point out to the listeners that maybe didn't catch on the DLR cast does stand for David Lee Roth. So <laughs> what we, what we have here is a uh, is a three on one because as you listeners know, I am very pro Sammy. Um, despite last week's episode, and you know, we can get into that later. Um, I'm still pro Sammy, just in terms of uh, vocal vocal technicality of Van Halen singers. But I am severely outnumbered tonight, so uh, there is no telling what tonight's episode will bring us. So I just want to just want to throw that out there in case the fans weren't on the up and up of who, you know what you guys do on your show. Mark, if I if I can butt in for a second, this is not something I've talked Please. about on the DLR cast, but I have a Sammy interview that I did where they said email these questions and we'll send you the email responses. And they send me just him talking, and I'm still waiting to see what I can actually do with this because there's so much <laughs> objectionable material in this thing. And I'm, I'm waiting for the go ahead of like, are they going to clean it up? Or like he's talking and he's like, uh, you know, make it sound a little better than that. <laughs> if, if, if I may, what you do with this is you create a manifesto. Uh, a, a Hagar manifesto, if you will. And yeah. you, you say this like, this is completely nonfiction. This is just Sammy going off the rails about God knows what. Uh, and be amazed at how many people would read it and eat it up. I being one of them. You mean eat them and smile? You mean? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yes. Uh, with a nice glass of Cabo Wabo tequila to wash it all down. Now, I, I got to ask because I'm geeking out a little bit. I got some David Lee Roth fans on the show. His solo stuff. What's your favorite era of Dave's solo stuff? I, I gravitate. I love it all. I just got a copy of Skyscraper on vinyl. Finally found one. I love that album. But a, a Little Late Enough has always been kind of my favorite Dave album. Uh, how about you guys? Let's start with Darren. What, what's your favorite uh, album of uh, Dave's solo? I go between Eat Him and Smile and Skyscraper. But I'll lean more towards Eat Him and Smile because of Sonrisa Salvaje, the Spanish version. If Skyscraper were also recorded in Spanish, that would be the landslide answer. Steve, are you, you're still the Eat em and Smile? I'm, well, I'm still the Eat em and Smile, but I'll tell you, Corey, I, if I went back and looked at how often I've listened to Dave Solos and what has gotten the most play, it would be a little ain't enough because I've gone back to that a lot over the years. I mean, I think Drop in the Bucket is one of the best Dave Solo songs by far. And I love the sound of that record. It's big, it's heavy. Um, you know, we know what happened after that. So 
it, I've, I've always had a soft spot for that, that record and really, I've always really dug it. And that single, it's just, that single never fails to put me in a good mood. That single should have done much better. It should be, it's an anthem. It should be one that he's been playing in every show since. Should have been. Oh, I absolutely. Be. Yeah, hundred percent. And the title I always felt yeah. The title track, absolutely. And I tell people, listen to Shoot It from that album. If you want like a yes. kick and horn section, like it's fantastic. Yeah. But Steve also loves your filthy little mouth about 800% more than I do. <laughs> I do that. I do like that one. Darren and I argue constantly over the merits or lack thereof of no big ting. So well, there you go. I tell you, I keep threatening Mark. We're going to do a solo month of shows and we're going to spin a David wheel of just all of his solo tracks and he's going to have to listen to it. I will Ooh. happily do that because uh, look, Corey and I have been tinkering around with the idea of a Patreon. Uh, yeah. If we do that, I, I'm thinking that might have to be some Patreon exclusive stuff. So, uh, to you listeners, you heard it here. Uh, if you, if those of you who who uh, uh, naysayed the idea of us doing a Patreon, do you want to hear us go over Dave's solo material? Because if you do, that might be the way to get us to do uh, the Patreon. That might get you interested in doing it. Who knows? And there'll be uh, extra perks as well. I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, that would that would certainly uh, give us more incentive to do the solo material, but hey, it's up to you guys. So let us know. There you go. And maybe just maybe we can get Stephen and, and Darren on a on a solo Dave show. If we had a David I mean, Wheel, yeah. would you guys come back and and break down a song with us? Oh, heck yeah, for sure. But my question is, if you put each track from Eat 'Em and Smile, the English one and the Spanish one, both get their own entry on the wheel. I will 100% do that for you. Yes. yes, I I will agree to those terms because I did not realize there was a Spanish version, and that just sounds hilarious to me. Well, both of them are called Yankee Rose, but one is English, one is Spanish. So Yankee I, Rose I, is, I is, is slots on the wheel, I guess. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, uh, speaking of uh, just getting down with the show, uh, Corey. What were the poll results for our last uh, week's show? I, I mentioned earlier about, uh, you know, last week's show. I mentioned uh, Sammy's maybe not his greatest uh, lyrical showing. Uh, <laughs> we covered Up for Breakfast last week. And yes, we I really I really don't have much else to contribute to that other than we did that. We listened to it. We discussed it. And and that's that. Um but what did the listeners have to, uh, uh, what did they say in terms of the poll results? The listeners had a lot to say. And actually, if I sat down and read the Twitter comments on the show, we'd be here all night. Poor Steven and Darren <laughs> would fall asleep. <laughs> so we'll, we'll save that for a future show, but I'll give you the poll results. And it's actually kind of surprising to me. 81% this dream is over. 19% what dreams are made of. So 19% of people voted for up for breakfast and i find that shocking i i don't find that shocking because i have a sense that they simply voted dream uh, uh that's what dreams are made of for this one just to see where it would land i feel like there was there was purposeful uh contrarianism happening here and i'm not even going to blame the cult of mariano on this one oh. i think it was just the curiosity of some of our uh some of our longtime listeners to go like I wonder what happens if I happen to say this one is what dreams are made of, even if I don't fully believe it. That's my that, that's my hypothesis anyway. I think there's a conspiracy happening. 
Well, and I can tell you, you can blame the cult of Mariano for one vote because John himself said he voted against his feelings, oh, but in God favor of the song. Oh, so the cult course. continues of to grow. He did. Uh, because you know what? How could All anyone right, in good conscience vote for that song? I know uh, we <laughs> mentioned on the show. Imagine if David Lee Roth had written the lyrics to Up for Breakfast. First of all, I'm sure it wouldn't be about breakfast. And second, <laughs> it would be a lot more clever and, and singable as opposed to the claptrap we got last week. We don't know that uh, Sammy was talking specifically about just breakfast. There's there's some uh, there's euphemism you know happening. It's in there. even worse if he's talking about sex. If that song is just about breakfast, it's bad. If it's about sex, it's fucking worse. I didn't I didn't say it was only only uh, uh like I well I didn't say the euphemism was was were good. The euphemisms were good. No, definitely not saying that because holy shit, they're bad. Um, and I think I did even say on the show that had this been David Lee Roth, I think he'd have been a little more clever uh, with the a little isms. <laughs> yeah, yes, only a little. I'm only giving him just a little because wow. come on now, Dave, Dave is not uh, 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 bag me up, DLR podcast. You guys can tell me like Dave is not so subtle a lot of the time. I think he's super subtle, actually. Oh, come on. <laughs> I'll tell you why I think he's super subtle. First, you don't know if he necessarily wrote the lyrics to a lot of the stuff. But the second thing is a song like Panama, depending on the mood he's in, it's about a car. It's about sex. It's not about a car. Or it's about sex. It's about all these things at once. There's a lot of layers to what he's doing. Whereas in listening to your great episode about up for breakfast i enjoyed Corey. your attempts at trying to break down like okay is it this sex <laughs> act or how does the anatomy work on that i really appreciated that part of the episode because at first you're like okay that does make sense and then the next line of the implied sex act would totally like the buttering the biscuit yeah. does not correspond with the berries and like, like the foods don't even relate no, how I do think the cherries, the, the, I'll never the understand how the on cherries the make it on. Yeah, how do the cherries get yeah, on top of the banana? I think that's what really. It's that, a, there's something about Mary Mori's brain. I know. <laughs> how do you get the beans above the frank? Oh, Steve, it, 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 did I miss it in saying that Dave can be super, super subtle? He can be super subtle. Definitely throws me for loops often. Like a couple of days ago, I was listening to Elephant Gun from Eating yeah. Smile. I mean, there's nothing subtle about that. There's nothing subtle, but <laughs> go back and look at those lyrics again. I mean, it's, it's, it's nothing subtle, but there's a couple different stories in there. I think there, there's a couple layers. I like to think, you know, there's a little bit deeper meaning. Like Darren mentioned with Panama, right? I mean, you can use your little, you can use your imagination a little bit, or not at all, whatever you prefer. Mm -hmm. Perhaps there would be more layers in Up for Breakfast were it written by. Uh by dave but uh i still think uh the subtleties of the nuance would be lost because he's like look what do you want me to say it's a song about morning glory well i guarantee I you it would have made sense had david lee roth written that the lyrics to that song but i would say, I would say for most would it of have been but would it have been sung very well that's yeah, what like, you have to ask yourself like, like i said dave has a wheelhouse when he's in his wheelhouse he's terrific Sammy doesn't own a wheelhouse. He can sing anything. We, I, I yeah. see that to you, hundred percent. When Dave's in his wheelhouse, he's fantastic. Okay, all right, I'll, I'll give you that. And this, this was a two thousand four track, and two thousand four, Dave was singing fantastic. 
I think that Dave was at his vocal best, like 98 to 2006, 2007, mm-hmm. like that first Van Halen reunion tour, perfect. DLR band album, there's some tracks where he's going for high notes they never did before. So in this era, you could then argue, Mark, that Dave would have sung it better than Sammy too. Oh, Ooh. Ooh, Ooh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the only Sammy song he could have sang very well, but uh, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll concede to that perhaps. Um, but uh, you know, it is what it is. It, uh, Dave didn't didn't write it, nor did he sing it. Uh, that's all on Sammy, and yeah. it's unforgivable. So that's all, that's all we can say. So you but see, we- you guys, I'm pro Sammy, but I am not afraid to admit when Sammy has laid a giant stinking turd, and that's right. Up for breakfast is one of them. So we need we need a, a palate cleanser tonight. Now we got the DLR guys on here. We gotta roll a Diamond Dave song, right? Like we we've had almost nothing from from Diver Down. Like we we are so due That's for Diver true, Down. Yeah, and we keep asking for uh, more of like Van Halen one and two, and we just I don't know we keep coming up short on that front. So all right. So with with that being said, first segue, let's t- manifest a Van Halen track before we spin the wheel and. Uh, Boys, Steve and Darren, you guys, since you are the guests, what particular Van Halen track would you like to manifest for the wheel? You see the wheel before you, you see the tracks that are left. What is the track that you think you just really need to hear, really want to just kind of deep dive and get into, grit your teeth? Um, Is it a surprising uh, Sammy song or is it just yet another Dave song? I'm ready for whatever. I I got no (laughs) manifest. Steve? Uh boy. Um, well, of course, I'm going to hope for a, a Dave song, <clears throat> particularly anything off of, say, 1984, uh, or everybody knows how much, well, those of you who listen to DLRcast know, know how much I love A Different Kind of Truth, but, Corey, yeah. you got me thinking about Diver Down as well. It's a damn shame that has not been, it's the luck of the spin, I get it, but uh, I think sometimes Diver Down has been misunderstood and kind of forgotten about oftentimes. Bring it on. Fair enough. Yeah. So I think, yeah, Diver Down would be, uh, that would be a, a real treat, I think. So, uh, Corey, I'm going to assume you're going to uh, manifest a Diver Down track. <laughs> uh, not Diver Down, actually. I was thinking uh, when you mentioned a different kind of truth, that's an album I didn't listen to a lot before we started the podcast. And it's very quickly becoming one of my favorites. Uh, I would yeah. love to get tattooed tonight because uh, I love that song. Oh. But if I was to manifest something, I know our good friends at the Sean Geek and Fast Fred podcast. Just did a deep dive with Eric Senich on Fair Warning, and we haven't spun ah. Hear About It Later yet. So that's oh, what I'm yeah. manifesting here tonight, Hear About It Later from Fair Warning. Well, then that leaves me, and uh, you know what? I am actually going to manifest a Dave tune. It is it is a uh, probably my favorite uh, Dave song uh, with the band. One of my all-time favorite uh, Van Halen songs, and it comes from Van Halen 1. And it's ain't talking about love. I I just I've been wanting to hear it. Been wanting to talk about it. it it's just I mean it may seem like a, maybe a, a basic obvious choice, but I don't care because I want to hear it and I want to talk about it. So that is what I am manifesting. And by proxy, I already know what Christy is manifesting, uh, and it's not a Dave tune. Sorry, but <laughs> I, I know what she's got on her mind. So let's uh, without further ado, we bring it to uh, our boy Sammy. We ask everyone if they're ready. We ask Sammy if they're ready, and we spin the wheel. So take it away. Here we go. Here 
And we are coming up with, oh, it's, oh, no, 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 there is no fucking way we are doing Pleasure Dome on the night that the guys from the DLR podcast are on here. So I'm going to give you both the option. We will re-spin this wheel if you both agree to it, because Pleasure Dome from Forum Awful, we can't have two turds in a row. I'm I'm all for re-spitting this motherfucker if you guys are what do you say oh man you are gonna get so many people pissed off at us <laughs> yeah <laughs> ideally Greg. yes it's funny that's my favorite hagar van halen record but that oh, is the yeah. song that is the song i listen to the least from that album <laughs> oh it is by far the worst from that album so I- i'm making a command decision here mark i say we re-spin this thing and try and get a dave song what do you say uh all right okay look i will concede to that but it's it, only one more spin we can we, we we can't we can't destroy the integrity uh, right. uh too much one okay. more spin Pleasure. and i know to all you to all you listeners going oh i can't believe you guys are doing that like i'm it look this is our one caveat for the entire show of all these episodes that we've done so yeah. here it is the re-spin sorry we're not doing pleasure dome today unless we spin it again but, uh, <laughs> it is staying on the wheel i'm gonna shuffle this thing a few more times because god damn it pleasure dome really okay this might be a blessing in disguise because if we nice because if we Dave land on ready. something from van halen one i'm gonna be really really excited so um once more sammy take it away here we go Oh no. Oh, okay. It's a it's a different oh, kind of truth. Well, I thought we were gonna land go. on a balance track, but we're getting you and your blues from a different kind of truth. This is awesome. Great song. Well, there you go. There you go. So so at least at, at the very least, we got we got something a little bit more uh uh something with some substance that we can talk about. I was all ready to talk about Pleasure Dome, but whatever, we'll save that for another Oh, I, I, I couldn't. Not tonight, please. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to rip Van Halen two weeks in a row. Look, it's it's happened. Have you, sir, have you forgotten how many times in a row we've spun Van Halen three songs? We had a, we had a run there, but you know what? Yeah. We're, we're cleansing the palate. We got a different kind of truth track. Let's start with Steven. Uh, what are your thoughts on a different kind of truth? It could be my favorite song from that record. I just, abs- I just absolutely love the lyrics in particular. It did me well during a p- couple of particularly bad breakups. You listen to those lyrics and you're just like, yeah, come on. You and your blues are out of here. You know what I mean? It's just, and I, we can go off on this a little bit more, but I, I've thought this is certainly with Dave, the best overall sounding Van Halen record, especially on the bottom end. I mean, it is just, it is such a powerful record. And even a song that might be a little bit more hookier and not as heavy as some of the other tracks, this still, this song just rocks. It just kicks ass every step of the way. I'm with you, Steve, on that end. And I believe this is the only track, unless Van Halen deleted this, because a lot of content just magically disappears. I think this is the only track from the album that Dave does a talk about the lyrics. It's like a black and white him sitting in Tokyo video where he's going line by line talking about what it means. So apparently it's a meaningful song to him and or Van Halen. 
I tell you what, Mark, this is an album we were super familiar with coming into the show, but it's very quickly uh, become one of my all-time favorites. And uh, I don't want to tip my hand. I'm not going to say if I love this track or not, but uh, uh, what are your thoughts now towards A Different Kind of Truth as we're now 45 episodes into this experiment of ours? It is 100% grown on me in a way it, it hadn't before because I, I think I've even admitted on the show, like my knowledge with this album is was very, very limited. Um, uh, with the show has revitalized and sort of kind of given me a new perspective on uh, on the album and the tracks that accompany it. Um, but You and Your Blues is still one of the tracks that I'm not like, I have, I've definitely heard it but I am not like super, super familiar with it. So this is going to be uh, moderately, mildly fresh for me. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. This is one of the new compositions off a different kind of truth. Uh, some of those tracks, they uh, reworked uh, from 1970s uh, material. Uh, mm -hmm. but this is one of the all new songs. So uh, what do you say, guys, if you're ready, let's spin a little you and your blues from a different kind of truth. Bring it. Let's do it. over yonder No stormy Monday waits for you uh, Ain't no midnight dream in Georgia And I'm not looking for the truth And I tell you what I'm getting rid of next You and your blues Yes, I am All right, Mark, you're the singer on the panel. What are your thoughts on uh, Diamond Dave there? He's very, uh, the the word is not subtle. The word, he's very toned down uh, mm -hmm. or, or maybe a little bit more tame uh, than what you would normally expect from a Dave tune. Um, but if you've listened to the show and if you've uh, gone on this journey with us, you know that Dave is not always on like you know in the in super high register all the time and he's not just super high energetic sometimes you got to bring it down a little bit this is one of those songs that uh you, you bring it down but it is when you have an idea in your head about uh what a dave van halen song is going to sound like and then you hear this it's a bit jarring it's a bit jarring because it's not uh, as high energy as you might have had uh, uh preconceived in your brain so that's that's kind of i had forgotten that the song uh, uh, kind of is is composed like that. Also, uh, Mark, I don't just, think you could just wait yes. two seconds. Two yeah. seconds of in course, the song, of course, <laughs> of course, of two course. more seconds. And, and I don't think you can get uh, he, there's ain't no midnight train to Georgia. Well, no, no train's gonna go through Georgia at, at midnight. What what decade do you think this is? Come on. <laughs> I love the callback to the old blue songs like Red House and Stormy Monday and Midnight Train in Georgia. Lyrically, I think it's very, very good. Uh, and like the boy said, just wait a few seconds uh, for that David Lee Roth vocal performance. Uh, guys, anything to add? I was going to mention, kind of touch on what you did. Two things. One, the way it starts out, that's that classic Eddie tone, of course. You know, it's not fully cranked up. Probably some sort of palm muting there. Not that I'm any a great guitar player at all, but, you know, it's a little bit... It goes it goes hand in hand with those lyrics, a little bit lower lower in tone, right? A little bit lower in energy, and Dave singing in that deeper voice, which has kind of been his stock and trade 
for as he's gotten older. But mm-hmm. I love the tip of the hat to all those classic, um, <clears throat> those classic rock and soul and blues songs there. Absolutely. And the song will not be subtle in about two seconds, <laughs> but I still love it when it's unsubtle. I can tell Darren's chomping at the bit. Let's keep going here. I love the way that chorus just jumps at you. Not only Dave singing, but how you can, everybody should be able to relate. Your bad mood's permanent. If you've ever had anyone in your life that always kind of dragged you down. I love another lyrical uh, touch back there, right? To communication breakdown, 19th nervous breakdown. Um, I'm still trying to figure out what women you suffer from a color means. I stumbled over those lyrics, singing it out loud in my car before I actually looked at the lyric book uh, back in 2012 when that first came out. And, uh, but he's hitting those high notes. And I'm curious, what do you guys think about those backing vocals there? Because we're three songs into this album, if you just got it. And of course, what's notable, that Michael Anthony super high tenor, right? Which I think Wolfie and Eddie and Dave, and there's a lot of multi-tracks if you go back and listen to the background vocals there. But it's not Michael, but damn if those high harmonies don't sound good. Mm-hmm. I think the color is blue. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I agree on those uh, harmonies. You, uh, to me, uh, it sounds like Van Halen, and that's the highest compliment I can pay yeah. to Wolfgang Van Halen, uh, filling in for Michael Anthony on the high harmonies. I, I think it sounds tremendous, and it sounds just like Van Halen. Wolfie, I thought, just slid into the band perfectly. I love Mike, but Wolfie did some really great shit uh, with Van Halen in this short yeah. seven years with the band. And Mark, can I say I'm now embarrassed because I've been listening to this song all the time and blue, feeling blue just never popped into my head. <laughs> I mean, I am just going to go crawl away in shame. This is, I'm going to wake up tomorrow going, God damn it. You got to be kidding me. How can I? <laughs> Look, I this is just me making I'll an assumption. I'll cop to that right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's just me making, making an assumption because the song is you and your blues. And if you look at the lyric, the way it's written, it's like, uh, you suffered from a color. I suffer because of you. Now everybody suffered because of you and your blues. So, I mean, like, you know, there it is. <laughs> like I said, I'm embarrassed. That makes perfect sense. That's got to be what it's about. Come on. Once You're... again, D- Dave not being subtle. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, this. looking at the lyrics, actually reading them, I didn't realize all the song titles in there. I've heard the song a trillion times. Didn't really pick up on that. But it gets me thinking. Dave is a super angry person. Uh, It's been documented over the years that, for example, Henry Rollins called David Lee Roth the most angry person he's ever known. And when Henry Rollins... That's hilarious. I I want to know how angry this woman was for David Lee Roth to be criticizing her mood. That is a hell of a thing for Henry Rollins to say. Like, I I 100% believe that he said that statement, but man, I just, I want to read that and I want to, and I just want to find out more because I mean, for all of you who, who are not familiar with Henry Rollins, good Lord, that dude is (laughs) one of the most angry people in music. And uh, for him to say that David Lee Roth is the angriest dude he's ever met, that is that speaks volumes. 
And it kind of reminds me of one of Dave's coolest quotes I've ever read. He said the two things that motivated him the most are fear and revenge. Oh, yeah, exactly. I, I think that we all want our, you know, positive, happy Diamond Dave interaction, but that Diamond Dave is not around in rehearsals. That Diamond Dave <laughs> is pretty much just there for the interviews and when the camera's on. And the stories that you get obviously show a really smart guy that's where a lot of the anger comes from that you're not performing at his expectation level but i'm just curious in a relationship how someone can out anger and out mood him what would this person look like and be like i thought maybe i thought maybe me but uh but <laughs> yeah, maybe not perhaps not <laughs> ain't going down no crossroads ain't going just no boom gotta put my hand up here because this is my favorite part of the record there i mean i'm done with coexisting this is heavy lifting god damn it there's nothing to say I love there, it. that's a that's awesome come on line. that like that that whole phrase is really really well written i i gotta yeah i, I will very much give it up to dave on that one that, those verses right there are so de definitive right mm -hmm. um it, this is done we're over <laughs> i've had it he says it right there but i just i just love how those words all flow together and it's just it's perfect for me on the musical end i i haven't really paid attention to the drums that much on the song but very interesting kick drum pattern happening that we don't hear in a lot of alex usually the kick drum is kind of buried in the mix but they make it stand out and isolated in this never really noticed that before yeah that's a really good observation normally if i'm noticing alex it's, it's something he's doing with the cymbals and uh, yeah like you said here it's the kick drum pattern Corey, that's a great point. I was I was thinking of that myself with always with him. He the way he rides and the symbols are just like a constant sheen back there. I, I don't know if I've read this somewhere, but he often reminds me that if you had a perfect mix of like a Keith Moon and a John Bonham mm -hmm. with this this abandon that makes sense somehow with the symbols, but with this heavy hit hard and with a real funky rhythm of like a John Bonham. Do you know what I mean? And clearly he was a fan. I, we know he was a fan of both those guys. Oh, yeah. And uh, but he the way he lays it down, I mean, I, I is there a guy who sold this many records could be regarded as an underrated drummer? Because I think people forget oh, 100%. You, know, you, you hear Bonham, you hear Neil Peart. I mean, I get it, you know, those guys, the classic guys, even guys from the last 30 years or so. But I'm sorry for my money, Alex is up there with with as great as anybody because oh, he's just fantastic. the power and the motor to those songs. I'm so glad you said that. I know when we started this show, I, I was really doing a lot of reading on Van Halen and uh, rock journalists and rock critics would not give Alex Van Halen his due. And the more you listen, the more you realize this guy's fucking brilliant. 
Yeah, yeah. he's um, always mixed into the background because he's he was battling the Eddie and Dave dynamic or the Eddie and Sammy <laughs> dynamic. And of course, Michael is going to stand out, not from the bass playing so much, but the high vocals. So you couldn't have that fourth person showing off. But at the same time, every now and then there's a light up the sky or hot for teacher or a kind of place where Alex can show off a little, be noticed. And yeah, listen to what Alex does underneath Eddie's guitar solos. Whenever yeah. Eddie does it, like, yeah, uh, that's one thing Mark and I both have really noticed. You're listening to Ellie, uh, Eddie rip it on the guitar. Listen to what Alex is doing underneath. He'll put a little flourish that people are like, hey, I'm still here too, little brother. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's exactly what I was about to bring up was that's Alex. Uh, yeah, he'll he'll let uh, the other three kind of take the spotlight, but he uh, will still let you know that I'm still here. Hey, hey here's a little something. Um, but also I uh, was, uh, it's funny. You mentioned that kick drum to me, it's sound it's prominent because it feels like this is the pulse of mm. this track. Like this is the, the ongoing pulse of it. And it's, um, it's very, uh, it's very fervent and it's very, uh, consistent and kind of, I think it's put at, put in the, in the forefront so much because of really the content of the song, it sounds like. You know, it's very in your face. This song is very in your face. Uh, Angry Dave is 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 uh, without yelling, he's yelling, and so like the kick drum is sort of that uh, sort of beating that that sort of sense the content yeah. of the uh, lyrics into you uh, as well. Um, while Eddie and and Wolfie, they're just kind of doing their thing. They're not. They're just sort of keeping the uh, the flow alive mm -hmm. while uh, Alex while Alex and and Dave are really kind of driving the uh, the force behind the song. Yeah, that's what it sounds like to me. All right, Mark. I and know then you there's love Eddie. a good solo. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's Eddie, who's just like, just like, children, please. I'm working here. <laughs> yeah, and so, this is not a key that most of the early Van Halen songs are in. It's a lower key. I don't know if that's to accommodate Dave's lower vocals or they're just writing in a different key or detuning. I don't know what it is, but you don't usually hear the Van Halen songs sounded like this. Kind of, it, it it's probably like a mix of both. I would say, like may, maybe uh, Eddie was trying to like try something a little different. Like maybe maybe uh, Wolfie had something to do with that too. It's like, hey, have you tried changing the key, pops? <laughs> like, I don't know. Let me try it. And then uh, <laughs> and then Dave comes in and is like, oh, that that feels better when I sing it. Do that. I'm like, all right. Now it's kind of telling on that uh, on the tours for a different kind of truth. They never played the song live, according to. Uh, uh, setlist.fm uh maybe wow. because it could be a strained vocally dave does get quite high on those choruses with yeah. you know, women you suffer from a color so uh you know they did a lot of tracks from this album live but never uh as far as i know you and your blues they even did out of space which is another one where he kind of gets uh you know a little up in the register on that chorus with we out of space yeah so, yeah you're right yeah, yeah. i would have i would have thought this one probably could have gone over really well live right i mean it's early on in the record three songs in you got tattoo you got she's a woman those made appearances live and then this one yep. it would probably be familiar to the fans who bought the record and it's just got such a great hook and people can relate 
She's yeah, the woman, yeah, actually, they've played the most live. Yeah. They played that 105 times. Tattoo, they only wow. played 59 times. Hmm. The word is that Wolfgang controlled the set list, and it sounds like Dave then has the veto power over the set list from there. If Dave doesn't want to do it, it does not get done. And it could have changed night by night sometimes, too. Maybe not every night, but I'm saying that as far as decision-making, you know, if he was feeling a little off or something like that, maybe there was a song that might... I mean, I, if I, I don't remember the set yeah. list changing that often, but I would bet you if something dropped out or there was a change, it might have been because of that. Tell you what, there's a few songs they only did like once, like a Stay Frosty and Bullethead, they played once. Out of Space and Blood and Fire, they played four times. Hmm. And then uh, the next one after that, it's a Trouble with Never, they did 48 times. So, uh, yeah, trying out maybe some, some newer stuff early on, deciding maybe it doesn't quite work live. But this, to me, sounds like a perfect live track had they busted it out i think it would have gone over huge yeah i think the reality was hey they were doing 90 100 minutes something like that on stage and if you have 10 to 15 minutes you have to do and you have to assume only five to ten percent of the fan base at most is like us deep diving and caring and wanting to hear the new material Ooh, you just don't have a lot of opportunities when you know that Eddie Solo is going to take up five to eight minutes and Alex is going to have a solo. The fake leaving the stage encore thing takes a few minutes. Really not that much time left when you think about it. Dave's going to have 37 minutes to riff before Ice Cream Man, that sort of thing. Right, maybe that's maybe it's a little bit much, but you know what I mean. Yeah. 37 seems short. Dave's going to eat an entire ice cream cone on stage before launching into ice cream. <laughs> you know, I was, this is going to take a while. It's cold. <laughs> I was thinking of this solo again, too. And I, what I love about it, one of the things is I'm not sure of the effect there. It's not coming to my head, but but Eddie's doing something with a the pedal there that he doesn't do on every song. It's kind of got a real classic rock feel to my ears to it. It's not, you know, just a solo of nothing but hammer-ons. It's really melodic. And also love Wolfie's riffing right before the solo when it kicks in. You know, he's he's got some brilliant parts all over this record. This one, he, this record, he hangs hangs back a bit. I, uh, you know, that's the kind of in service to the melody, I think, my own personal opinion. But if you listen in there, there's some, there's some quick little punches in there that he throws in there that are reminiscent of Michael to me in points too. Mm. Kind of sounds Great. like he's using like a like a wah wah pedal or something. That's uh, what I was thinking of. Thank that, you. Mark. I, 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 that's I mean that's that's what it sounds like. I could be yeah. wrong, but that's that's it sounds remarkably like that's what he's using. So, um, and for those of you who don't know, wah wah pedal very prominently used by people like Jimi Hendrix, uh, uh, and the, you know a, a ton of guitar players use them. So that that's what it sort of sounds like to me. One of my favorite things on this record is the way uh, Wolfie and Eddie kind of go back and forth and i imagine watching him in concert at this time would have been the same uh just just little things where wolfie played a little thing before the guitar solo and just the interaction kind of between the bass and the guitar uh because eddie did this record because wolfie said so right he said i'll yeah. only do another van halen record <laughs> if my son's part of it and uh i really love that kind of interplay between the two i think also because irving azoff said so too <laughs> we'll talk about that. yeah yeah <laughs> irving tells you also yeah you're gonna do it you're gonna do yeah. it
Love that little open hi-hat from Alex, just a mm. little accent here. Yeah, I love how the song ends on the same way it kind of started with that muted guitar and uh, the kind of way it just goes out into the fade. I also love that cascade of notes that Wolfie puts in there just as it yeah, kind of yeah. goes into that, right? And those fills with, with Alex, this works a lot better if you could see the actual fills I'm doing by hand here. But you know what I mean? Just <laughs> kind of just, it's like a tumble's worth of fills going down right into the end there. And is this song even four minutes long? It's not, is it? It's, 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 I don't it's, think a, so. it's pretty short. Uh, it is pretty short. Let me just look at it here. <laughs> Uh, yeah, a uh, lot of three forty-three. Yeah. Oh, almost so so a lot of sweet. ornamentation there at the end for Wolfie on bass, which was really yeah. cool to hear because you know we're not. That's not a typical Van Halen uh, trait um, within uh, a lot of their songs. So that's that was a a nice little touch. Um, and I like that the intro becomes the outro. Um, that's very mm -hmm. cool. And all, for a moment there, I was like, are they about to launch into just a new song? Like, what's happening? <laughs> uh, but yeah, very well done. Well, the next song was Chinatown, if I remember correctly, on a different. Ah, uh -huh. so. we liked Chinatown. Love yeah. Chinatown, yeah. I think we've liked yes. every track on a different kind of truth so far, Mark. No, we didn't, or I didn't. <laughs> Which, Which one, one did, did you not like? like, Mark? Big River was it? Oh yeah. Also, well, actually, okay, that's two songs. Big River was one. What you was the other one? The other Out of Space. Was. No, we haven't done that one. Yeah, we have. Did we? Did we? I don't think so. But if we did, I think I like that one. No, dude. Oh, stay honey frosty. Baby sweetie doll. Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> come on. Love that. I, I like honey baby sweetie doll because I get what it is. Uh, Steve, what, wasn't that an Asian dub foundation cover that he had in the background of No Holds Barbecue and then he redid the riff? <laughs> Pretty likely. It's, that's the equivalent of. Uh, that's equivalent of Easter eggs in the long lost DVD. You know what I mean? It's just stuff that comes boomeranging back 25 years later or something like that. Hey, here's a quick existential question for you regarding Chinatown. If Shy Boy doesn't exist, would that furiously cool and hard rock and interplay between Eddie and Wolfie in Chinatown exist? Mm. You know how they're both playing Ooh. simultaneously the same notes, yep. they're both doing hammer ons? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That immediately um, harkened back to me to Shy Boy, which at that time, Tell me if I'm wrong, and I'm sure your listeners will. I, I don't remember hearing, and maybe it was something like that in Talis, but when Shy Boy with Vi and Sheen going round and round and back and forth, mimicking, mirroring, mirroring each other, short of some sort of jazz fusion thing with Stanley Clark, perhaps, I don't remember any hard rock folks really doing anything like that at that time, back in 1986. Certainly not commercially the way Shy Boy and Eat Him and Smile was. That's interesting. I like that. That's a very good question. I, I wish I had an answer for you on that one. <laughs> Just existentialism there, I think. So, so well, honey, some sort of ism. sweetie doll. What's your issue with that? Is it that the title is terrible, or what is it? No, if I remember correct, it's now. This was some episodes ago, and I have not revisited it uh, since we've done it. Um, but yeah. if I recall, I just was uh, the the music didn't do much for me. The content of the song very much did not. I'm looking at the lyrics right now just to make sure, and I was like, oh right. Yeah, no, I wasn't vibing on this one at all. Um, but uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I I wish I could give you like a full answer. If if you want to know my full analysis, please go check our episode on Honey Baby Sweetie Doll, uh, uh, in which we, uh, yeah, in which we take a deep dive about that song. I'm quite sure I was not not keen on that song per, uh, at all. 
uh, and for reasons that I can't even remember anymore. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was way um, back in January, episode eight. Yeah, that was, was Honey Baby Sweetie Doll. <laughs> wow. So yeah. So forgive me. Like my my sharp wit brain is just not what it used to be in terms of, uh, uh, especially if it's a song that. I'm not digging. There's a good chance that I'm not going to remember it after we've we've talked about it, unless it happens to be so bad that I can't get it out of my brain, a la uh, up for breakfast, for breakfast, and also <laughs> basically almost every song we've covered so far on Van Halen Three. Uh, apologies to Gary Sharon, but anyway, <laughs> regardless of that, that ladies and gentlemen, and everything, uh, uh, that was not honey baby sweetie child thank goodness it was uh, a different kind of truth uh we have uh, uh uh you and your blues and my question is did this song get rid of your blues or did it make you even bluer so i'm gonna start with our guest steven darren from the david lee roth cast uh very very high on david lee roth uh pro david lee roth all the time probably think he walks on water right well, if that's the case, did you and your blues uh, 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 take you away to uh, Stranger Tides in a good way, or did it sink you? What say you? Uh, we'll start with uh, Steven. Was this what dreams are made of, or is the dream over? Oh, totally what dreams are made of. I love the song. It always was a favorite on the record for me, uh, literally and figuratively. It, um, yeah, it, it made my blues go away. All right, we got to play the clip to make it official. He just launched right into it. <laughs> so there you go. Of course, to to the shock of no one in this room. Uh, but, <laughs> but Darren, my question to you is: It will, did it uh, sink your blues, or did you rise above and? Uh, float away to your dreamscape yay or nay well like paul sam would say i rose to it and it's what <laughs> dreams are made of and thank you for referencing one of my favorite kiss songs <laughs> uh the lyrics on that abortion of a song uh desmond Child, <laughs> Okay, wow, lyric-wise, wow. sure. It's a catchy tune, though. Well, there you have it. There, yeah, just uh, two for two so far. So, um, and uh, now I'm just gonna I'm gonna lay it on to you, Corey. Uh, is you and your blues what dreams are made of, or did the blues just take you down like uh, our tax from the never-ending story into the swamp of sadness? <laughs> oh God! <laughs> I love this record and I love this song, You and Your Blues. I was very happy for the respin. Had we done Pleasure Dome tonight, I don't know. I may have jumped off a bridge. I don't know. I I, I couldn't handle uh two <laughs> turds in a row. Um, I know Pleasure Dome on uh on the live album kind of let him do it really cool. Alex uh, drum solo. That's still on the wheel, folks. We didn't take it off, it's still there. We'll have to talk about that piece of shit at some point. Uh the other songs uh on either side of You and Your Blues were 5150, which is one of our most anticipated songs and aftershock from balance so i'm very much happy that we drew you and your blues here tonight i love this song i love this album i thought it was fantastic dave sounds fantastic even mark 
uh, the naysayer, I think, has to agree with that. Although I have no idea how he's going to vote. Um, Mark, the 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 vocalist naysayer. on the panel. <laughs> Even you got to admit, he sounded pretty fucking cool in this track. The band was on fire. Lyrics were fantastic. How could you not vote? This is what dreams are made of. And with that, let's see if Mark actually becomes the contrarian and votes against a Dave track with the DLR cast boys on the panel. What say you, Mark Meyer? <laughs> Let me collect myself there for a second. Um, while I don't think uh, Dave sounds the best on this particular song or on this record, I do think he sounds okay. Uh, for how the song is composed... He sounds just fine. I will say of this album so far, uh, this is not uh, my favorite track on the album. However, this is a good track. This is uh, the music more than makes up for uh, if, if, and I'm not saying Dave is just the way Dave is singing. sounds bad. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying it's, it's not exactly um, what I might consider to be upper tier day vocalization but that's okay because the way the music is structured the way it is composed what he's doing fits and i think the saving grace uh for the song at least for me uh is the content of the lyrics i think the lyrics are well written i i fully admit it there there are a lot of really great lines in this and i i like what he's saying i like the uh the the story he's telling within the lyrics i dig it so with that all in mind I have to I have to give this song a thumbs up because it still rocks. It's still a, a good rocking tune. A lot of that is credited, I think, to the, uh, as I mentioned before, the pulsating uh, sort of drive that Alex is providing. And that does not take away anything from what Eddie and Wolfgang are doing because they're keeping this stuff alive. I really like Eddie's solo. It's not his most grand solo he's ever done, not, not by a long shot, but that's like, even he was probably doing this solo uh lazily and if that is him doing a solo lazily then you know god help all you would-be guitar players that want to throw in a good solo in your songs because that's a lot to live up to and um my heart goes out to you as a guitar player i feel your pain uh but nevertheless you and your blues does not give me the blues it rises me above it and uh that i think is what dreams are made of so there you go. Not the contrarian at all. If I, can, if I can butt in about a different kind of truth, what I wish that we could find out that we never got a clear answer on relates to, I did an interview with Ross Hogarth, who is the engineer on the album, and he was extremely Team Van Halen, anti-Dave. He, he said that they had a lot of problem with, uh, problems with Dave on the album. Now, the Deep Throat Dave interview that came out uh, a couple weeks ago through the Dave and Dave Unchained podcast, they talked about the the person about how Dave wouldn't do more than three or four takes on any song. So what I want to know is, did they just turn in all the instrumentals to Dave and then the lyrics are just patched in? Kind of like they, they went, here's the music, add your stuff. And it was totally done in different studios because that's the vibe I get from listening to a song like this. Well, Could be. He did all he did all the vocals separately at Henson Studios, right? I always I so. yeah, I, I never got the impression that 
they were kind of woodshedding, working these all out together as a four piece in 5150. You know what I mean? So maybe at yes. some point there was bits and pieces of that, but I think this may have to keep the peace and the harmony, this may have been somewhat of a non-traditional, uh, maybe they were ahead of a time. You know, you hear bands today, like Def Leppard recorded their last record. They were never in the same room together at all. You know, it right. was everything was tapes flying all, you know, uh, digital flying all over the interwebs and they put together by my ears, a great sounding record, right? So, so Darren trying to stir in the shit there as usual, but, uh, <laughs> well, if, <laughs> but if you got a point. If that's true, then, for them to turn out a great product like this where they're not getting along and they're in different rooms, it's pretty miraculous in a way that that could happen. It makes, to me, makes it even better knowing how hard they had to work around the circumstances like that. Well, I know Eddie alluded to the difficulties he had working with David around this time. Um, in that interview that came out with the uh, reporter that he had a rapport with and he was texting back and forth and he had mentioned that yeah. Uh, you know, Dave is very hard to work with in this period. So I wouldn't surprise me at all, actually, if, um, you know, it was all done kind of after the fact. And I, I'm going to 100% agree with Stephen again. Uh, that Def Leppard record, uh, the new one, is fantastic. I always I always figured, and Dave's alluded to this in interviews, is that kind of one of the, some of the magic behind early and classic Van Halen or, you know, Van Halen with Dave, it has always been that tension and that push and pull and that yin and yang and the fact that, I mean, that call it anger, if you will, right? That that tension that seemed to always be there was a good creative tension that maybe ultimately was unhealthy in so many other ways. But at least when it came to putting music down, it worked brilliantly. Absolutely. Now, uh, Wolfie kind of alluded to the fact that the uh, a tribute concert that has been talked about quite a bit here uh, in the last few months, uh, maybe David kind of derailed that. Uh, what is your guys' perspective on David Lee Roth and the Eddie Van Halen tribute concert that uh, doesn't sound like it's happening at this moment? Steve, yeah. you want to go? <laughs> We've spoken about this a lot. Go ahead. I, I think it isn't going to happen that Dave is shouldering all the blame. I don't think that all the blame is on uh, should go to him. I think that Alex is a little on the lazy end of things. Wolfgang has his career going, but I see no reason why it couldn't happen in a good way without the members of Van Halen playing the full show. Like if Dave emceed the show and did two songs and then it was just like an all-star band or a revolving cast of characters and there's Atomic Punks as the house band and then Vi comes on for a song or two and Billy Sheen for a song or two, amazing i'll take that but mm -hmm. when when i talk to the people who know dave and i don't mean that they met him and had a sandwich once in 87 i mean people that have worked with him in the last 10 years they are extremely puzzled about all of his decisions and i mean people worked with him in the last like year two years recently they don't find out that these songs are coming out these live in the studio tracks they don't find out that the John five things are coming out. John five wasn't even finding out that they're coming out. So there's just <laughs> so much dysfunction and disorganization that I, I wouldn't hold my breath for any, for Dave to do anything except the things you never would expect him to do. Cause he's going to do those things against uh, your interest level. Yeah. Well put. I mean, I, I was saying on episode one of our episodes prior 
that, you know, no one ever says, they said, oh, well, Dave was a holdup. They never say exactly, no one ever alludes to what it was. Was it money? Was it billing? Was it voice? Was it this? But thinking, you think more of what, and Darren knows this as well. I mean, it's, it doesn't need to be any of those things, or it could be all of those things, right? I mean, it's, I, I think it was a combination of that mainly, and it's easy to maybe blame Dave, but I just also wonder too, and Michael Anthony alluded this in, in an interview too, is that he said, you know, Alex was still mourning or had been. And remember, this was, I mean, how many, you know, when those stories broke that it was derailed, we are how many months past the quote unquote derailment, right? So at this point, I don't think you're ever going to see it. But it wasn't like things went off the rails in May and then this news broke in June or whatever it was. It was so many months before that. So I think it's there's a lot of layers in there and probably chief among them, yeah, is Dave just get, being extremely mercurial, which is probably an understatement of the century. And it could be any and all of those things at any given time. I wonder if, it, I don't think we'll ever see it. And sometimes I breathe a sigh of relief to that because if the last thing you're going to remember is some sort of train wreck, that's the last yeah. thing I want to remember. And I'm not saying musically, I'm just saying how it all comes off. And then the spotlight's automatically going to be on who's not involved and why yeah. they're not involved. So yeah. I just, man, the bar is so high to do it. It just, it makes me nervous. <laughs> but I, I have to emphasize that Dave is not retired. He is 100% not retired. He's not sitting around doing nothing. He's working on stuff. Whether or not you're ever going to hear it is another story. But uh, Steve and I didn't talk about this off mic. But I figured out whose party he played in Mexico. I, mm. I, I completed the investigation on that. And I'm giving the person a one more week to get back to me <laughs> before I have that. What a tease. Wow. <laughs> but long story short, like he just came out of the woodwork and did did a private gig. Uh, he's not retired on any level. It's just he doesn't want the pressure of th this is my read on it. He doesn't want the pressure on being commercially or critically successful. He just wants to do stuff. And sometimes he puts it out and sometimes he doesn't. How great is it to have complete, absolute freedom to do whatever the hell you want, when you want, how you want. And there's no pressure to put it out there publicly. Yeah, he's earned it. I mean, he was one of the biggest artists in, in the world on and off for two decades. He earned it. Uh, mm -hmm. Less great artists have have tried to be even more pompous. So kudos to him. And I hope he puts out more stuff. But you, I think you hit the nail on the head, Steve, that like we don't want a crappy tribute or performance. Better not at all than something lackluster, if that's what we were going to get. Amen. I agree with that. Yeah, so there it is. And uh, yeah, pro-Dave uh, people talking about pro-Dave things. Uh, and we're all pro-Dave because we're all we're all fans. That's the thing. Like, let me let me reiterate that, please. It's like, just because I'm a Sammy guy does not mean I'm anti-Dave. Let me just please clarify that before you all come after me, which you're going to anyway. It's fine. But uh, that's it. That's the song. That's the show. Steven, Darren, you guys of the DLR cast, Please uh, tell the people what you got going on. Tell them where they can find you, where they can find your show. Steve? Well, you can find us on all your favorite podcast providers, of course, including YouTube. And you can tweet at us as well at the DLR cast. And we've got some things. Some Darren's always working on something. Uh, we got some, some other interviews in the can coming up that, uh, and a couple other ones that uh, Darren is working on confirming. And, um, <laughs> 
yeah, more good stuff to come. Like we were saying up at the top, it doesn't seem like we're going to run out of material anytime soon. We're not going to have to take a deep dive into the paintings, let's say. So, <laughs> yeah, we haven't quite gotten to like, well, this guy did his laundry once. Let's have him on for an episode. We haven't gotten there. There's still some people we're chasing. There's a couple things in the can that I'm waiting to hear whether or not we can use. Um, some people are slower than others to want to publicly share their Dave's like they, they want to tell you their dirt about David Lee Roth. But then after they say it out, they go, wait, does this violate my non-disclosure agreement? <laughs> Am I going to get sued for this? I'll get back to you. And they kind of ghost you. There's a few of those happening, but, uh, you know, I continue to work David Lee Roth into my interviews all the time. Uh, and that is how I figured out, the mystery of the Mexico private party person talking to poker player, Phil Helmuth. Uh, that is the whole reason. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. I, I, uh, Phil, Phil is to blame for this information if it gets out, but long story short, I'm <laughs> well, it just did. <laughs> well, I didn't right say whose party it was. It's not Phil's party. Phil was oh. maybe at that party. I'll put it to you that way. Uh, to me, that but, sounds like stay tuned to episode 72 of the DLR cast where <laughs> Darren spills the beans on the uh, private David Lee Roth gig. If, if I vanished and you never hear from me again, let's just say there's a, a tech person who might have <laughs> had something to do with that as a result of outing them as a David Lee party host. Tell He's the like world Darren's story if he disappears. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. DLR cast, like Steve said, and then I've got the Paltrow cast with Darren Paltrowitz, which is on YouTube, 40-plus TV stations a week. Uh, spoke with Michael Rappaport yesterday. I didn't work Roth into that interview. I, I do apologize. <laughs> I should have asked Michael Rappaport about David Lee Roth, though. I feel like you wouldn't have been able to get a chance to do that. You know, you know, Rappaport, he's a, he's a talker, that guy. So I, I liked like it. Yeah, <laughs> I liked Rappaport so much. He, you know, every now and then I'll do an interview where people go, oh, be careful. That guy's tough. And then I go, I like that guy. Like Billy Corgan, he told me a good Roth story. Like I enjoyed Corgan a lot. So Rappaport, he's good people. Don't believe the hype there. Right. <laughs> no, I just know. I just know his his style, man. And uh, like and I'm a big fan of his, too. But it's like I don't understand how anyone would get in a word because he just <laughs> When he goes off, he goes off, and that's it's amazing. Um, but uh, the Billy Corgan thing—that's awesome. That's cool to know. So be sure to check out that guy, uh, Darren Steven. Thank you so much for being on the show, man. It was a real treat having you guys and having your your insight for a, a track like this. And I'm glad we got. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad after the second spin, we got a, <laughs> a Dave uh, era track that we could uh we could all discuss so good stuff to you and apologies to all of you pleasure dome enthusiasts we promise we'll get there eventually the next time we spin it Corey has no choice we will oh, discuss yeah. it so uh cory where can the people find you on social media to yell at you about why you re respun pleasure dome they could find me forever in the debt of steven and darren for letting me respin so we didn't have to talk about pleasure dome tonight i couldn't do it so we got a really cool track um, find me listening to the DLR cast. This is a fantastic podcast. I recommend everybody go out, check it out. Um, it, it's amazing. You guys have a, tre a tremendous rapport. It's one of my must listens every single week. Thank you very much for Thank that. Uh, but they could find uh, us as part of the deep dive podcasting network. We should go through the shows that are part of the deep dive podcasting network. We have 
uh, the Need Purple podcast, Sabbath Bloody podcast, Skinnered Reconsidered, In the Lap of the Pods, The Magicians podcast, Hawk Binge, Maiden A to Z, Diary of the Mad Men, Metal Gods podcast, Universally Speaking, uh, Backtracks, Aerosmith Revisited, which I co-host with John Mariano, breaking down Aerosmith's catalog. Uh, so far, so pod, so what? That's the new Megadeth podcast we have on the channel. Uh, the Tom Petty Project, uh, Backtrack Steve Music. Again, that's me and John Mariano talking everything movie music and T-Bone's Prime Cuts on the other side. If you want to get a hold of me or Mark, uh, we're on Twitter. I'm at CD Marset. The show is at Podcast Will Rock. And you can check out our website, www.podcastwillrock.com. I'm working on a new uh, Zazzle store for all you Canadians who want some cheaper shipping than what Public gives you. Uh, they got a shit ton of products on there too, so look for that in the coming weeks. There you go. And you can find me at Mark the Bat on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, if you're in the Nashville area, September 29th, we are doing a tribute show called Women to the Front. It's a, uh, well, it's Women to the Front Part 2, or actually it might be Part 3. Whichever one it is, we've done them before, but it's a tribute night celebrating uh, the women of rock music, uh, all songs written by uh, famous uh, rock musicians of the female variety. I get to play guitar, and uh, my lady gets to be a part of this and sing one of her favorite songs by the band Garbage. So if you're in the Nashville area and you want to contribute to a good cause because it's all for charity, come on down to uh, the uh, East Side Bowl, Nashville, Tennessee, Women to the Front show. It's going to be a very fun night full of good rock tunes, and it's for a good cause. So what have you got to lose? So come on down, check that out. Yell at me on Twitter. Yell at Corey on Twitter because why in the world will we spin away from Pleasure Dome? What a pleasure it could have been. But instead, we got an even bigger pleasure with the guys from the DLR cast on the show with us. Thank you guys so much once again. And thank you all for listening. Tune in. Uh, uh, give us a rating. Give us a, a, a comment. You know, share it. Share it with your people. I'm sure you have Van Halen friends out there that would love to listen to a show where two schmoes like us just talk about randomness about the songs that we spin in the wheel randomly that's what a show is all about we're not historians we're not experts we're just fans just like you but that's what makes it all go round just like the wheel that is the show we are and the podcast will rock and we will rock you later later